0: Now what? Why? Now what? Now what? Now what? What you gonna do? Now what? What you
1: going Now what? Now what? Now
2: what? Now what? Now
0: what? Now what?
2: welcome you're listening to the now what society a weekly podcast dedicated to women who want to explore their edge seek more and laugh at their mistakes all while choosing an alcohol-free life we're glad you're here we'd love to have you let's get into this week's episode
1: hey everyone welcome back my name is tamar and i am only one of your hosts for the now what society now Lane and I are super pumped. First of all, this is the last episode of the Now It Society, and next week we're going to be jumping into Laughing Without Liquor. We've got a new look. We have the new website, so check that out. It's laughingwithoutliquor.com on there. You can still reach out to us, ask us questions, make suggestions for future episodes, the stuff that you want to hear, but ultimately... We want to teach women how to live without compromise. We want to teach you how to be able to have the best time of your life without any booze. So we're super pumped. But today, we're going to be doing another episode of Time Takes Time. And I'm super excited because we're going to be talking about worth, values, and faith. So enjoy this episode.
2: Welcome back. Hello, my friend. Today, special panel time. This is Time Takes Time. My name is Lane Kennedy and I will be your host. I am joined by five other beautiful humans in long-term recovery. Uh, I host this panel once a month where we talk about long-term recovery and we go deep on one subject matter. And this month we're talking about worth or value and this deep relationship with our faith. First things first, I'm going to introduce our guest, the panel here today. I have uh, Elise Bryson, you know her, Erin Knight, Jennifer Peterson, who's been on the show, uh, Michelle Ferris, she's, yeah, you've been on the show, and Siobhan has been on the show. So you've heard all of these guests already, except for Erin, who's going to be on the show at a future date. But everyone, let's just take a moment and introduce yourselves and share uh, how long you've been on the recovery train elise kick us off
3: thanks lane my name's elise i hail from the emerald city of seattle washington and i'm class of 2006 so this year in a few months it'll be
2: my
4: sweet 16.
2: beautiful and how about uh jennifer
4: uh i'll have 21 years in april
2: and where are you coming from today
4: Chicago. chicago Chicago
0: area.
2: Beautiful. And Michelle, go ahead.
0: Uh, I'm in San Jose, California, and I've been in for 32 years. 32 years. Boom. Go ahead, Aaron.
5: Hello, friends. My name is Aaron Knight. Uh, I'm here in beautiful, sunny Toronto, a little snowy, but it's sunny. And my recovery date is February 9th, 2004.
2: Beautiful. And Siobhan, bring it home. Hi, I'm
6: Siobhan. I live here in San Francisco, and I'm sober as of today, 13,067 days, May 1st, 1986.
2: Whoop, whoop! It's a long time between cocktails.
6: That's
5: a I'm also That's
3: a I'm person. also May 1st. I'm also May 1st. This is so exciting. Oh my God. Let's have a party. Let's have a party. Mayday mayday mayday, 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 mayday. I know, I know. I've made that joke every year. Every year.
2: Every year. So we have a lot of time between all of us. Uh, It's really incredible to connect with others who have this recovery, this length of recovery. And one of the things that I was inspired about is recently is relationships and the relationships that we have in recovery. And how we build them. And so I want to kind of gear our conversation around how we create relationships in long-term recovery, uh, because there's a lot of uh, worth and sense of self that we have to build. So I want to hear, you know, how you've done this over the years with specific people in your life. Uh, how have those relationships changed? But where did it start for you? The sense of worth in order to get to having a beautiful relationship with another human being? How about that? Michelle, you want to kick us off? This is right up your alley. I know. It oh, is. yes.
0: Uh, so I think being a part of the program initially really gave me some worth because I felt a part of Uh, but I think the first key relationship that changed was the one with my sister because I had decided in my fourth step that I'm going to call her, damn it. (laughs) And I did, and I kind of let her know everything that was hurtful about our childhood. And I did it in a nice way. I didn't, you know, I was super careful because I had a sponsor at the time, thank God. And it really transformed and it brought me into adulthood with her And that was kind of the first one that I realized just naming the truth of what happened. I didn't need her to do anything. I just needed her to hear me that kind of paved the way for us to start a new relationship, which was really cool.
2: You just brought up the word sponsor. Mm -hmm. I'm going to expose this word just for a moment. And I think that people can find recovery, however they may. And now in particular, there's so many pathways to recovery, mm-hmm. but in 12 step, and there's so many pro programs in 12 step, right? There's a lot. There is this really uh, precious relationship with another human being uh, that's called a sponsor. And that relationship guided you in this conversation with your sister, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, I'm going to jump around here, but I would like to know if everyone here has been involved with a sponsor or a mentor that has guided them in finding the words and their value as they have gone through recovery. Aaron, I'm going to kick it over to you.
5: Thank you so much, Lane. It's great to be here. Um, some interesting things that uh, haven't come up for me recently so I feel like comfortably on this hot seat it's fantastic getting me out of my uh, comfort zone. thank you so much (laughs) Um, you know building relationships in recovery I remember being new and maybe I might have had a year year and a half or so and I started with with a uh, a sponsor and he said to me the topic came up of of relationships and relationships in the program specifically uh, for me to be involved in AA. And he said, relationships are to be treated like dynamite. He said, dynamite is safe when handled correctly. uh, Oh, okay. That's, you know, there used to be a saying that that my parents would use, I guess, guess came from the, in the, in the seventies, don't make waves, don't make waves. Mm. Just go along to get along i guess type of thing don't don't stand out or don't create a something beyond what then what you can handle and then you know talking about developing and maintaining and building relationships for me it was so much of developing my my relationship with myself that's really came down to it and then as you're um First talked about this, this your uh, an individual self worth your value and faith that was a huge issue for me and where my self worth was I had uh, grown up in a family with very much a lot of codependency going on a lot of martyrdom going on a lot of control occasional out, and more than occasional outbursts of some pretty severe violence. You know, the cop cars occasionally would be at the house and, you know, walking down the street from school going, I wonder where the, geez, a cop cars, I wonder what house then, oh, that's my house. And, you know, having the feeling of, uh, of being in an environment that was unstable and having emotions that were unstable for me was very, very difficult. And then anytime, and I see it now in, in retrospect with codependency of, Anytime I would want to exercise some independence, I was reined back in or I was criticized and demonized or, you know, essentially controlled and abused some, in some manner. So for me, it was very difficult for me to build relationships. And I was essentially, a I could say, a, a late bloomer, you know, being very shy, but then being beyond very shy. I had also the issues of uh, at certain times apathy which I didn't understand what that word meant for decades Mm -hmm. and I was so involved in in my middle teens with getting high and drinking and and playing music Mm -hmm. and then the distortion the distortion of my of my you know mental self and emotions made it very difficult for relationships so I found now that to, to, to really build on the self-worth and using affirmations or understanding that I can do a, a job very, very well, have a career that's very well, but if I don't believe in myself, there's still those issues Yeah, and building, building myself up in a way that I don't have to think that I'm building myself up. I am just risen, an open consciousness, being alive, being able to receive walking down the street with a smile on my face, instead of staring into the gutter, it was a huge issue. And and after a while, I started to notice there's other people that walk down the street with their head up and they feel great and they have a smile on their face. And lighting the path as as we go for someone else that maybe doesn't even know that their path is dark. It's it's an amazing thing to have that little bit of essence to offer people the, the choice that you can make a difference today Mm -hmm. in your decisions or in what you want to do or you know when someone said have you considered that you don't need to take a drink today or that you have a choice I never thought of that
2: yeah
5: working with a sponsor to you know get out of myself and offer you know being being able to say to someone where I'm at Mm-hmm. You know, how are you doing today? I'm feeling good, or this, or that, or I don't have an outburst of anger like I used to. And to, when someone's able to offer that guidance, or to say, sometimes it was there was a couple of pivotal times at at meetings. There was a person who was on one of the they were the uh, head of the local committee, and uh, he just came up to me out of the blue and said, "Aaron, I've been watching you. You look fantastic." I've been watching you grow. You've grown so much in the whatever it's been in the last six or eight months or whatever. He said it's fantastic to have you here, and I, no one has ever said that to me before. I felt, wow, okay, I'm just thinking I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't realize that I am growing. You are growing, uh, and I am bearing fruit, at, you know, in the mm-hmm. metaphorical sense somehow, and 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 being able to share you know, a few of these things that someone else shared with me. It's, it's, I didn't create this program. I didn't create some of these phrases. Most of these phrases, I'm just sharing them. And it's fantastic to share.
2: One thing that Aaron just said, Jennifer, I'm going to kick this over to you is that dynamite is safe when handling, when handled properly or safely. Right. I really (laughs) loved that comment uh, because relationships And, you know, in recovery, as we age in recovery, this relationship with a sponsor or a mentor or whoever, even a partner, it becomes, it's, it's real, it's hard. And so I want to hear from you, how do you navigate, you know, these relationships that you've been in for a while? And I, and I I know that you've been married for a long time and you've, it's like, wow. Wow. Uh, how, do, how do you do it? Like, how do you handle it properly with care? Right. Our relationships are dynamite. I just, I love that. Go ahead. Yeah. Jennifer. So, so, okay. It's
4: manifold, but I've been with my husband for 18 years. We've been married. Well, we'll celebrate 17 years, uh, in June. And we met I met him online and I saw he didn't drink. It turns out we're both in the program. And luckily we both worked a program really similarly. And so from the very day one, you know, I was very much either done with my first set of steps or, you know, like, you know, when we got together, I was um, still really, serious about working the steps of AA. And I made sure that to keep my side of the like I was like, we had to practice brutal honesty. And that has been a core and making sure that we keep our side of the street clean, that we apologize for what we're wrong for, even if the other, we cannot control the other, you know, and, you know, other than that, our, uh, I, I wrote this in one of our early letters, to, you know, like Christmas letters to our character defects work well together. So, um, so that's my husband. Um, and you know, um, I went through a few sponsors when I first got into the program and yeah, they were dynamite. I mean, you know, some are sicker than others and <laughs> you think that some, you think that just because you have a long-term sobriety, these people are like, mm-hmm. you know,
2: the best let's go there let's go there for a minute let's do that for a minute let's do that
4: man some of these people were fucking mean and crazy and Mm -hmm. i'm like oh you're crazy you're pretty fucking crazy right so um i had to go through uh i think it was like three sponsors before i could actually trust
2: Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm.
4: believe that she's just solid and you know i'm still friends with her today Mm -hmm. and i will tell very and you know this lane is that i'm not active in Mm the recovery scene right now Mm -hmm. and i have found a long-term really there have been very few people in recovery that i'm still friends with um lane how we know it, we have a mutual friend that is the one that introduced me to Mm -hmm. um alcoholics anonymous and i'm and uh, so obviously she's still my friend because we were friends before that. And, and luckily we were able to walk through the program together. She has a few more years than I do. Um, but other than that, I found relationships really tricky. And I think what I do is I make the same mistake that I did is that I throw, I trust immediately just because you're an AA two. That means yes. that I can bear my soul to you and you're not going to fuck with me. Well, it, I'm like, oh just cause again, just cause you have a long time, you're, you're still mean or whatever it is, you know, like, Mm -hmm. okay. Like, you know, I just, I, I, I tend to just turn it on like blah, blah, blah. I wear my heart on my sleeve and I get kind of, I've gotten hurt, you know? And uh, so that's been a
2: tricky thing for me. And I think this is where this sense of value comes in, right? This sense of our self-worth, our value, we have to protect ourselves. And I see Siobhan over there shaking her head and Michelle is shaking her head. (laughs) And and, uh, it's like, just because people have time under their belt doesn't necessarily mean they're spiritually fit all the time. And it's, it, it's on us, the person going to another person, another human being for help or support, right. To really protect our, like to know ourselves, to thine own self be true. Yeah. And to really believe, and this is where I think the faith part comes in, to believe that we're going to be taken care of, even if that relationship hurts or goes sideways. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. And also
4: be be willing to let that. It's okay. We're not friends anymore. That's another thing. Like,
5: Mm, oh, I
4: must've, I must've done something wrong. Also, I was like, so over, like, I am going to make everything. Some people, they're just, you know, at the same, they're just not into you. Like that's that's the thing, you know. Like okay, well, we're just right. not going to be friends like me. for whatever reason. You don't like me, okay? We don't have to be friends. That's good. Like so, right. I also had to get, you know, some people are open, some people are, you know, timing, everything, you know. And there's, so that there's factors
2: lesson. in all yeah. of it, right? So, yeah. Oh, I just I love that that people are are fallible. And I think there's something about when we're early in recovery, we look up to these people who who have time (laughs) as, as these spiritual giants. Uh, that's what my friend Scott would call. And you all have, or, you know, if you haven't heard Scott G's, he was in the last time takes time, very wise human being. Uh, you know, the spiritual giants are not always spiritual. They could be giants, but they could be giant assholes. Siobhan. Right.
6: (laughs) I love that we refer to me as giant asshole. No, 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 (laughs) No, but I I can be, right? If I don't do my, like, I feel like the thing about being a quote unquote old timer in 12 step or in the spiritual path, the spiritual gurus, or you move from being like, like, oh, I did that work. And then you start stop doing your work, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't just eat one meal and never eat a meal again. I don't (laughs) just go to the bathroom once and never go to the bathroom again. Like, I that would uh, be bad. Yeah. You'll I see me, it. I use a lot of references of pooping and my recovery. And what I feel like is all the manure of my life is what teaches me of what my part is and how I can be that channel. So my first relationships with sponsors was very similar to what Jay was saying is like, I, I picked people who were like my family. I come from a sexual cult that was super screwed up, right? Like I'm going to gravitate to the most screwed up people in the rooms and everybody who comes to 12-step rooms or even some of these other spiritual groups that I belong to are usually pretty screwed up. The reason there they're craving to fix whatever's screwed up in them. And for most of us, it's alcohol or drugs, but I had a whole list of other things that I also have 12-steps in. And so I would gravitate towards the most screwy person in the room who sounded like they had figured it out. Well, that was a dynamic that I learned a lot from that mistake. And I really believe sponsorship or mentors are practice relationships. These are the practice relationships where they're not here to be better than us. They're here for us to learn and practice our family dynamics, our addict recovery dynamics. Like this is the addict in me. This is the healthy part of me. This is where I learn to have value. This is where I don't. And you know, I've also had sponsors who like want to be hierarchical Mm -hmm. and that won't work for me Mm -hmm. i thought it would work i saw it work for other or what seemed like it worked for other people but that really didn't work for me but learning that like but using like the 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 tools that i had to ask that question well what's my part why am i attracting this and like after i got past the alcohol and the drugs and the food and the sex all the physical things that i'm addicted to i'm addicted to being an addict I'm, i'm addicted to being a victim i'm addicted to like you're my problem, like, Mm -hmm. and I have to look at like, I get a payoff from that. And even this much amount of time, I have a daily checklist I have to do. So that practice relationship of a sponsor was the first part. And then I'm gonna do what you don't want me to do, but I'm gonna talk a little bit about the faith because the next relationship I realized is if I'm making all these people my God, which is what we kind of are taught a little bit to do with mentors and spiritual mentors, I'm losing that, that portion where we make a power greater. And what I noticed is what I did in personal relationships is what I did with a higher power. If I'm withholding in a real, I could usually tell by a breakup, if I did an inventory, this is the exact same things I did to that partner, is what I'm also doing to a higher power. I'm cold and withholding, I'm punishing. Oh, if if you're not gonna give me what I want, then I'm not gonna meditate today, right? Like <laughs> I'm not gonna have faith. Like it was, and so I would notice my could use my outside relationships with sponsors mm-hmm. or with bad relationships or with friendships in recovery, and notice, oh, I'm doing this with the God in them, the higher power in them. And if I can actually do that one core relationship of me and my higher power, I'm go, "Oh, this is this is how I become a channel of the sunlight of the spirit or or whatever the universal intelligence, whatever you want to call it." And then I can now connect with the universal intelligence in another being, whether it's a sponsor, whether it's a another mm-hmm. member, mm-hmm. and then I can now think that their behavior is crazy, but I can still love the higher power in them. Mm-hmm. There's a few mm-hmm. things, there's some few elements of I can see I can connect with that person, but I don't have to completely knock them out of my life, which is that all or nothing. I can now see what, what, what can they bring? And then what do I also, I have enough value in myself, which took 20 years, to see that I also don't need to hang out with them after a meeting or after a recovery group, right? Like I don't, I have very good boundaries now about whether it's family or friends or people in the rooms or people at work, if you don't treat me with respect, you're not allowed in my life. I don't care who you are.
2: How long did it take you to build that respect, though? Right? Like that? That's
6: uh, the first 10 years were just me crawling to yeah. out of ne- Nithander- all <laughs> yeah. And then the next 10 years were me starting to understand my value. Yep. Then the next 10 years were like, Oh, I think I've got some value. And then yep. I feel like the last five years have been like, just starting to like and i feel like i have to work my steps and my recovery and my program even more intensely yes yeah. because it isn't alcohol or drugs that's taking me off the the ba- the, the line right. or food nope. it's the my behavior i can turn from a a, a you know like you said that the great asshole. i can turn into that in seconds like last mm-hmm. week i went 90 to nothing and i just, <laughs> week just drove me crazy i thought <laughs> i was gonna I, I just like, who am I? I couldn't see myself in the mirror. But you know what, I have the steps and the tools to to get to that balance and that voice. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell a lot of people or they look up to me and they say, oh, but you you do this like, yeah, you see me today. This is took 35 years of going through a lot of manure. There it
2: is, so there it is. That flower could grow.
6: Yeah. And I took one day at a time and bumping up against walls and lots and lots and lots and lots of inventories. Like to do this thing today, I did Three, you know, I did an hour of step work this morning just to make sure that I brought some semblance of a healthy person
2: to talk to y'all today. <laughs> but th- that's, I mean, this is where I think there's a misconception around, thank you, Siobhan. There, there's a misconception of like, okay, I'm going to uh, get sober. I'm going to stop drinking and life is going to be great. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we forget, it's like, there's a disconnect on I have to continue in doing some kind of spiritual work, whether that be 12 steps, whether that be going down a Buddhist path, whether that be uh, going into Christianity or religion, right? There, there's got to be this kind of work that we do in order to block or to disconnect us from that crazy thinking that happens. And the, I think, you just gave it really beautifully, Siobhan, of like the first 10 years were this, then the second 10 year, the 20 was this, and then, you know, 30, right? It takes time. Time takes time, my friends. <laughs> there it is. So one thing that I want to find out from everyone here is, is how, you know, because I think there's a lot of um, tumultuous relationships in recovery and there's sometimes a lack of transparency. And how do you disconnect from a relationship that you feel is not quite going in the direction that you want it to, at least let's start with you.
3: Ooh, I have to be, I have to be really careful with that because, um, the way that I handled relationships prior to choosing a life in recovery was blowing them up. Like the second that they got hard, or they didn't, ag- they didn't agree with me. Or,
2: can, I, I mean, can we just have a spot? Anybody else relate to just blowing up the relationship? Anybody raising the hands? Yeah, just oh, burn yeah. it to the ground. Yeah, okay, burn it down. Or, burn it down. Double,
6: yeah. or double down if you're yeah. really bad. Like I really want you more. Right. So it was yeah. either one of those two. Okay,
2: Keep
3: yeah, not anyways. letting go. Well, and when, when Aaron did the dynamite reference, the first thing that went into my mind, which is now going to show you how old I am is Wiley Coyote and Looney Tunes (gasps) blowing shit up in the desert. Right. Like I was like, yeah, that tracks like that makes sense. (gasps) Um, so I have to be, I have to be really careful now, not to just when a relationship gets a little hard, just be like, well, that was fun. I'm going to go find another best friend. Um, because that's my, that's my knee jerk reaction is when relationships get a little bit hard, I can handle confrontation all day long in the business world. Um, but when it is, when it becomes personal, I'm like, I freeze. Like, I just don't know what to do. And it, it gets hard. It gets uncomfortable and I don't like hard or uncomfortable. So then I'm just like, whoop. I like this person over here, you know? Um, It's really interesting that we're having this topic today. I was taking one of my sponsees through working with others out of the big book last week, and she's very anxious about becoming a sponsor and screwing it up and screwing the other person up. And I'm like, oh, that's cute that you think you have that much power, but you don't. um, And it'll be fine, you know? And, And then we got to talking and she was like, well, how many sponsors have you had? And I was like, seven, you know, seven different sponsors. And at the time they were all right for me at the time. And then things changed for whatever reason. Um, and as I moved through those, I, you know, hopefully handled the breakup in a better way than I did with breakups, you know, in my real life. Um, and then she asked me how many sponsees I'd had. I have no idea. I literally have no idea. And she couldn't believe, like, I couldn't even remember all their names. And I was like, yeah, because that's not, I don't, I don't have, I don't have ego in that. I know that there's a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people that have a lot of ego wrapped around how many people they mentor. um, And I fundamentally have a problem with that. Like, you can't have 15 or 20 men, you know, sponsees. You can't, I mean, You're not doing, you're not doing yourself or them justice in that way. In my, in my opinion, um, in my life, that doesn't work, right. It might work in somebody else's, but it's also not what I want. Um, Mm -hmm. so I don't know. I just have to be, I have to be intentional now, um, and I have had some friendships that are not what I thought they were going to be. I thought, you know, sometimes you have that honeymoon phase of a friendship where you're like, let's keep matching tattoos. We're going to be best friends forever. Um, and, and, and you really mean it at that time and then time happens and things happen and everybody's life has different curveballs. And, and that doesn't mean just because you don't talk in the same way that, um, you wouldn't still be there for each other. It's just your day-to-day relationship has changed, you know? So, um, and I have several friends like that where I don't know exactly the last time I spoke to them. However, if they called me and needed something, I would be right there without question. And I don't have any doubt that they would do that for me. Um, And so I think that the way that we have relationships for me in recovery has very much deepened, especially after getting through the first 10 years, I was still just running around like a little wily coyote, you know, in those in those first in that I didn't know anything for the first five years, which is cute because I really thought that I did, you know, I thought, oh, I have a book mm-hmm. cover on my book, only serious <laughs> people do that, you know, like I didn't know anything, and um and now the longer that I do this, I realize the less that I actually know, and and that's actually works for me is mm-hmm. to go into a situation that I don't know and I'm just looking. I'm looking to everyone else to help guide me.
2: That's it. We, we need a lot of guidance. And I wanted to, I want to ask you, Michelle, how, how do you disconnect from a relationship that has gone sideways?
0: Not easily. (laughs) Uh, I'm on the codependent side of Mm -hmm. that. So Mm -hmm. I, I used to hold on for dear life, but uh, the, best thing. And the worst thing that happened to me about five years ago was a friendship totally blew up and she opted out really suddenly. And I learned so much about myself. And I think what I learned was I will never give myself away like that again, Mm. because I gave myself away without realizing it in recovery, thinking I was doing it great thinking, Hey man, this is a really healthy friendship. And now it's like, if I know something isn't working, then one, I have to admit that to myself, which and is so hard,
2: right? That's right. It's like,
0: Oh, that's right. Brutal. It's like, and then I have to come to the willingness to let it go or mm. revamp it into something less because it's okay to have somebody that's in my life for a different reason, but they're not going to be super close anymore.
2: So just letting go of somebody. Yeah. Is. I mean, in this pandemic, let's talk about the pandemic for a minute, right? Because this is where I have really seen my friendships change massively over the past two years. Uh, Like I have connected more, I mean, you are my friends, right? Like this online space has changed the way that I relate to people in such a drastic way. My, My people that I used to think were my best friends, I don't even see them anymore. It's very strange for me, and so this idea of disconnecting and not blowing things up or burning them down—that uh, would be old, you know. That I think I was probably doing that at like ten years sober. Still, I was still blowing things up, like just <sighs> bye, like literally. Uh, but this idea through this pandemic of fading away. There's been like a fading away for me with relationships Mm. where I thought, oh, I'm going to the grave with this person. We're going to be in it forever. And now I'm like, well, where are they? Has anybody else had that during the pandemic? Uh, Jennifer, go. Yeah. Okay. Hands are up. Mm. And how are you dealing with that? You know, in your day-to-day life, have you filled, because people take up space in your life. I mean, they do for me. So do you fill it with some, something else, someone else? Um, you know, what I've learned, you know, and it's, I'm going to echo
4: what people are already saying is that, you know, obviously I've been a bit of codependence in my, you know, I, I, I tend to have best friends, you know, that's like one, oh, they're my best friend, you know, like they're, yeah, you know, and then a periphery. And then I, I tend to really get cl- Like I go all in, you know? And then for whatever reason, and so on the outside, it would appear that I'm backing off gracefully because I don't, I don't blow things up anymore. Um, That doesn't work well because, you know, the truth is none of us are victims. Right. And so I think, you know, there's something that didn't work, whatever, you know, they didn't do anything to us. We're all okay. We, you know, we're, we're all spiritually connected um, and so I think that backing away and the way that I am able to disconnect then internally. So externally, there's a, a graceful disconnect. Internally, it's super painful lately. COVID has done that to me, you know. Um, for some reason, it's just like I had some breakups, women, you know, really, you know, girlfriends. And um th- they just weren't that into me. And so externally I'm backing away and internally lane. And I think I've told, you know, I was kind of at a crossroads professionally and, you know, not quite sure what to do next. And once I kind of figured out what I'm doing, like once I get my, my house in order, then I don't care that much then, you know, and I think when we're working a program so true, and we're engaged in a meaningful way in our lives and we are, um, we're engaged in work or whatever, whatever it is, whatever you do. Um, you know, these other things don't matter as much. And so um, I'm a lot less, like, of course, it keeps rearing its head. I'm like, just, it's cool, you know? And then I'm like, just go do some paint. You know, I'm painting now, I'm back doing art. And so I'm like, I just, you know, you do you, Jennifer. You know, don't worry about what they're doing. They didn't do anything to you. They're, You know, whatever, they're doing them, you're doing you. Just do, do your work and other things will fall into place. And then I do, I do notice there have been, new things new faces you know and so and new interests and so um and that's how i've that's how i that's how i roll
2: anyone else
6: yeah i've had a lot of that Uh, this is fine um especially during the pandemic i had to get a new sponsor i had to um uh, you know
2: how was that let's talk about that for a minute. Well, that's rough i mean you're 30 how long i mean you're 35 35 years <laughs> mm-hmm. trying to get a new you know sponsor and,
6: and, and, uh, you know and like let's get real about that people yeah. stop working their steps like i started yes. interviewing sponsors you know people with over 35 years and one for me the pandemic was such an awesome because i have been doing online meetings because i travel in places where there's no meetings like in you in africa and um so now I had this new smorgasbord of meetings and opportunities with different people who were willing to sponsor me that would never have done that before because they were in different cities or states or countries. Um, so I start interviewing all these sponsors and it was just really interesting. They're like, yeah, I just I just read the book. I just do what I did for 30, 40 years ago. I was like, wait, what? Like, I, I couldn't, I personally can't stay sober and I'm also sober through multiple 12 step programs and I also do a lot of work Uh, um i have a lot of outside issues like ptsd and so i do a lot of work on that and i do i do my work on that like i don't just say hey i did therapy and i don't stop like i do daily and weekly and monthly work on those things so i really need somebody who can balance with that and it was just fascinating to me to see like these are really great people i like them but they really i i don't think i would respect their answers if they if i came to them in a problem right and that was part of what the situation with my my the sponsor I had to move with. It's like wasn't she was bad. Everybody looks up to her. She's considered kind of very well known in AA, but she wasn't willing to work multiple programs. And so she kind of looked down on me for working multiple programs. And I think I looked down on her for not working multiple programs. Like so at the end of the day, like I had like just was like but I like, kept trying to find other sponsors who weren't crazy. And um, so I was like I was settling. And that was another thing i started to realize i was settling but one of the things that i've really started to feel like i didn't really grow up with family i didn't grow up with a lot of friends and even the people i got sober with i didn't really stay with and i'd see people who would have little cliques that they'd be with for years right and i have never had that i never had a mentor i wanted some sort of mentor and leader i want i wanted all these things that i saw what i thought other people in the program had And what I finally started to realize because of all my abandonment issues and doing tons and tons of inventory on a daily and weekly basis was that my higher power would, would move me around like a chess piece. Mm -hmm. And I really have always had really great friendships, people, mentors, and then they flutter away like a butterfly and then a new one shows up. And if I can get out of myself enough to enjoy what my higher power has brought on the platter today in this Mm -hmm. minute, yeah you know i lost a friend of 35 years this year this last year and that was not just the pandemic it was the weird vitriol hatred thing that's going on on, online i lost her to that i you know and so i just started right i had three friends that this happened with all around the same time and i i just wrote them all letters saying how much i loved their friendship how Mm -hmm. much they'd helped me grow as a person it was kind of like an amends letter but it was also like And one of them we ended up we hadn't talked in nine years and all of a sudden we do meetings together and we're good right and then another she's like she was mad at me that i wrote the letter she's like we're fine i don't understand and then the other she (laughs) never responded so i got three very different (laughs) responses (laughs) and it was just like oh this is my power power showing me who's here for now and every six months i do an inventory of all my friends who are the people i can go to when i'm in a in a ptsd moment who are the people i can go for a, a recovery thing because that I realize rotates and changes. And some of those people move up around, like I do it every January for sure. And so I have a list of about 45, 50 people. And sometimes these are the inner circle people. And some of these people, okay, God, I have them on the list. If you want them to come back in. They shift. Yeah. They go
2: different place on the list.
6: And it's been really eye opening and then also like Lane, you're one of those people who became this really good friend of mine through the pandemic. I didn't know you were coming in my life, right? Mm -hmm, So mm there, I think it's just really interesting if I can truly stay centered in what is the highest and best that's happening for me today. And am I willing to look at and that pain, it's almost always if I'm looking at the pain. Am I willing to release what's feeling uncomfortable because my higher power is going to say, but I've got something good on the other side. If you're willing to grieve this, Mm -hmm. release it so that there's now opening for a lane to come into my life. Right. So I think these are those kinds of things that am I willing to go through again? It's almost like the cycle of I eat something, I digest it and I poop it out. Right. Am I willing to go through the process (laughs) of every day (gasps) feeling like what is it today? What am I? What's nourishing me and what's ready to be released? (gasps) I can be attached to like, I've had my favorite food that I love every day, all of a sudden I'm allergic to it. Now that is not a part wow. of my life. And the same thing goes with friends, right? Or they rotate in and out. And that, while it's a very Zen perspective, it's definitely taking me a long time to get through my own. Every time an abandonment issue pops up or anytime my addiction to being the victim or like nobody likes me or I'm not lovable, okay, I go through that, feel it, write about it. And then I'm like, okay, well, where's the light in this? Where's the gift in this? Where's But that's because
2: you're like, you're so willing to do the work.
6: Oh, I I can't, I don't know how people don't. I literally see people who, like, I haven't done a four step in five years. I haven't done inventory. I'm like, how are you still walking?
2: But there's, but this is, I think where people, there's the differentiator on how people find recovery, how they do their recovery. And recovery is what you make it right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, everybody has a different comfort or threshold, so to speak. And I mean, mine's tolerant, like super tolerant. Right. And I think the longer that I've stayed sober and been in recovery, that, that threshold, that tolerance gets less. Mm-hmm. Right. So I want my relationships and my, it, it just comes back to the sense of self-worth and my own value. Like I want to be, for lack of better, happy, joyous, and free. Like I want to be living in that place. But sometimes I don't want to do all the work. Honestly, I'm just like, I don't want to do all the work, but I have to, because I want to be in that space. And I want to just kind of ask everybody on the panel real quick, uh, just give me a number of how many mentors or sponsors have you had Over the many years in your recovery, Aaron, I'm going to start with you.
5: I'm just going to count on my fingers here. Five.
2: Oh, good. No, I guess there's no good or bad here on this. (laughs) Elise? Seven. Seven. Okay, Jennifer. Four. Nice. Michelle.
0: I don't have a definitive number, but somewhere between like eight and 10. Yes. Siobhan.
6: Somewhere like 20 or 30. Cause I belong yeah, to yeah, multiple. Yeah, like that's programs. right.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: I think I've had uh, like seven, seven, eight, like around that area. Uh, and each, each relationship has brought me to my knees seriously and understanding my own development It's been brutal, right? Because that person has made me look at myself intensely. Uh, We are coming up very close here, almost to the end of the hour. And I want to make sure that we we talk about one more thing. And that is how, like I just heard from Siobhan, how engaged she is with her spiritual practice. And I want to hear from... Aaron and Michelle and Jennifer and Elise on how engaged are you with maintaining that practice? Where are you at, Aaron?
5: Well, thanks, uh, Lane. Uh, Appreciate what everyone has had to say so far. It's uh, really perfect for me in this, uh, in this day and moment, my faith now and, and to tie it in a little bit with the, you know, having boundaries, respect, and being able to speak up in the moment, there was an issue of, of boundaries that came up recently online, I was doing some reading and, and respect, and someone they were saying, you know, if, if someone has something that is saying something disrespectful to you, realize it, speak up about it, that right then and there, don't let that slide, and I would had this before, and You know, I've mentioned it to people in in the past and they shrug their shoulders. Yeah, big deal. What are you going to do about it? Then then it's like, that's the value of our friendship. You're just going to cast it off like a dirty rag like that. It's just so terrible. So it's really for me, it's it's tending to my garden. If I want that spirituality to grow and and to be around these other titans of spirituality, it's like I have to, you know, walk with purpose. That's Mm -hmm. the, the word is trudge. And, you know, that to have that happy destiny, I have to be the, or rather I am committed to being the best me I can be.
2: That's it. That's really it. It's really, it is walking with purpose and being self-aware. And I think what I've heard from both Michelle and Siobhan is that it takes time. So Michelle, let's hear from you. Like, How much do you take, like how much time are you putting into your life today for your practice and building your self-worth.
0: You know, the one thing about the pandemic, it gave me a new routine. So every day I walk and that is my time. That is my time to just breathe. And sometimes I'll listen to a podcast. Sometimes not. I have my daily readers. I have my meetings, uh so i feel like i do a lot i do some things daily i make sure i hit i try to hit at least three meetings a week i like meetings they make me feel plugged in but i also know that there are times that my program is imperfect and i will get lazy and something will come up or i don't feel like doing any writing and i have to allow for that too because when you're in long-term recovery you know that there's going to be ebbs and flows to the amount of motivation you have. And even though I'm always motivated to do something in recovery, there are going to be times when I'm going to be more willing than others. And I've just kind of learned to accept that and not beat myself up over it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a part of the value, right? The Mm -hmm. sense, the self-worth of like, I'm not going to beat myself up about that. No. Right. That's it. Uh, Jennifer. Uh,
4: right now I am not active with aa texts i have been heavy duty uh over the years at different times so um and i am uh i do practice rigorous honesty um in my life and with my husband so i kind of have this built in uh i have built a you know a handful of people that i'm super you know um open with you know and um and I too Michelle um during covid started walking daily now I live in chicago so I'm, i haven't walked this this month for about a month but literally i would walk between an hour hour and a half every day and that was that was meditative. It was really great meditation time podcast time you know whatever um i was doing uh just the process there's something really cathartic about what there's something very um good about that so uh my program has been like this in terms of formal aa literature and all of that and going to meetings but i do um you know ebbs and flows so right I now think, yeah ahead. not so not so
2: not so great
4: right now but but i'm okay i'm doing well
2: but, but that i think this is important to, to, mm-hmm. to bring up right here it's like again We all find our recovery and not to say that you will never go back to AA, but right now it sounds like you're comfortable. Your life Mm -hmm. is working. You have a practice. I know that from talking to you and being your friend and, and perhaps Alcoholics Anonymous led you to a new path. And I think that's, that's beautiful. That is like your sense of self-worth it's, it's there, your sense of value, your, your faith. Yeah. My something. quality of life and the yes. quality of my
4: relationships would not be, I would not have anything right in my life that I have today without the steps in AA and mm-hmm. um, recovery,
2: active recovery. So I have mm-hmm. to say that. So, Ooh. yeah, it's really, uh, Elise, how much time are you putting in? <gasps>
3: I I have to do a a potpourri of things um, and I don't do all of them perfectly every day by any means. Um, I do definitely um, uh, do a 10th and 11th step. That was my dad walking through the background. Um, uh, I do a 10th step. I used to write it out. uh, But now I just kind of like go through it in my head when I'm getting into bed. Um, I do prayer and meditation, a lot of walking. Um, and for me, uh, what really helps keep me accountable is, to, is 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 being a sponsor, being a mentor, because I can't ask them to do things and then not do them myself because then mm-hmm. I feel like an asshole, right? So, um, ha, you know, giving it away helps me keep it. That's my insurance policy. So I am never without at least one sponsee in the book, but- I don't do the multiples things like that. That also doesn't work for me. Um, So it's a lot of different things. It's writing. Sometimes it's art therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's 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 talking to somebody else that uh, when I need to process something. But for me, that also means not talking to 20 other people because then I'm just attention-seeking and being very self-centered about whatever the thing is versus just one or two trusted people that will tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. So, um, and it ebbs and flows, you know? Um, I, you know, And I still go to meetings about one a week, um, but there was a period of time I didn't go to any for a while. And there was a period of time that I didn't have a sponsor. Um, There's a, you know, and, and what I find is the less I do, the more uncomfortable I get. Like that's, that's, I don't need to keep practice. Like, I don't need to keep testing that. That is every time proven that when I rest on my laurels, AKA when I'm a lazy ass, um, I'll get really uncomfortable really fast.
2: Oh, I love you. Yes, that's, that is it. Uh, it sounds like we're all working some way shape or form uh we've come up to the 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 time and we're at the speed round are we ready for the speed round okay i'm going to ask you you... (laughs) so come come off uh i'm going to ask you and you're just going to answer the question ready aaron sunrise or sunset sunset jennifer sunrise sunset sunrise elise sunset Siobhan. Both. Both. <laughs> Michelle. Sunset. Sunset. Okay. Living sober or came to believe? Michelle. Ooh, came to believe.
6: Siobhan. 12 by 12.
2: <laughs> no, it's living sober or came to believe?
6: I don't know. I'm never, I don't really read either those. Okay. So okay. 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 Elise. Came to
4: believe. Jennifer uh living sober although i'm not talking about
2: the text Aaron, <laughs>
5: okay. i am came to believe beautiful
2: okay here we go pepsi or coke jennifer coke
3: elise why is this a question it's coke siobhan
6: <laughs> i don't need do drink sugar i don't know like, this is not even my thing
0: michelle if i did it was co- it'd be coke yeah
5: Aaron. Uh, coke is it the real thing
3: <laughs> Can I say something I need to say something on this though? I know it's Coke. It's always going to be Coke. But <laughs> the new trailer, the Pepsi trailer leading into this year's Super Bowl uh-huh. with all of the my 90s favorites oh, did make <gasps> me question my loyalty. Uh-huh. So, and I did drink a Diet Pepsi yesterday. So,
2: Ooh. I'm just putting it out okay. there. <laughs> Here we go. Last two. We're almost there. Uh religious or spiritual, Jennifer? Spiritual. Michelle. Spiritual. Aaron.
5: Spiritual.
2: Elise. Spiritual. Siobhan. Spiritual. Thank you. Here we go. You have all you have a bank account. Okay. I'm giving you I'm gonna give you ten grand. You save it for a rainy day or you spend it all. Aaron.
5: I'd uh, almost rainy day. I would have an umbrella.
2: Save it for rainy day. Michelle? I think I would spend it. Good. It's Jennifer? Rainy day. Nice. Elise?
3: I already spent it. It's gone. Yeah.
6: <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> Siobhan?
6: We'd go to the One Mama
2: Clinic. Spend it all. Boom. Spend it all. All right, friends. What an incredible hour uh, talking about worth and value and Allow yourself to grow as human beings because time takes time. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this experience. We will see you all next month. Thanks again, everyone. Bye.
5: Everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.
4: Bye-bye. Nice meeting you all.
1: That wraps up the last episode of the Now What Society. Lane and I just want to thank you so much for tuning in every week and being there with us on this journey we are here to walk beside you and we're just so grateful for you you know if you know anybody who you think would benefit from the show please forward them this make sure you rate review and subscribe that helps get the show out to more listeners and of course you can head on over to our new website LaughingWithoutLiquor.com, and make sure you sign up for our newsletter We'll see you next week when we launch Laughing Without Liquor.